Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create Your Life Series family. Happy Sunday. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are here uh, on this beautiful day. Our first thing that we're going to do today is the catch-up session. And the first thing uh, that I want to discuss is last weekend, we weren't here live in the studio because one of my good friends got married out in Martha's Vineyard, and that was an amazing experience. So I want to say uh, congratulations to Dustin Jackson and Mrs. Uh, Jen Jackson. And so they had a beautiful wedding out in Martha's Vineyard. So it was definitely, uh, I was actually one of the groomsmen had that honor. So it was beautiful and an honor to to be in the wedding. Um, what's been the latest with me? I have actually just returned a couple of hours ago from Atlantic City, had an opportunity to speak out there with uh, CHCR, which is a community health organization out in Staten Island, had the opportunity to do in it, to participate and present for their strategic planning section session and discuss uh, effective communication and open up their conference. And that was a beautiful experience. And of course, just beautiful people to work with. And last thing for our catch-up session today is I want to say uh, I lost a Titan in the uh, in my fraternity, uh, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. And his name was George Rodriguez, who was actually uh, impl- influential in making sure that I became a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. So uh, very saddened by his loss, and he definitely touched a lot of our, a lot of us who are actually brothers of Cap Alpha Psi. So I want to say rest in peace, rest in paradise, and uh, rest in greatness to him. And that brings us to our guest who we have today, who is actually also a member of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated by way of the Grand Pi chapter in Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, please welcome CEO of Muscle and Bone NYC Fitness. Mr. Tony Laurent. Wow, man. It's such a pleasure to be here, Kevin. Thank you so much for this opportunity. This is amazing, man. I'm so proud of you, and I'm proud to be here. I can't say thanks enough. Before I forget, I brought you a gift, my man. Oh, you brought me a gift? I did. We like prizes, man. We like... From Muscle and Bone NYC. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, what we have here? What we have here? Hope you like it. Oh, yeah. I'm wearing this. (laughs) I'm wearing this track jacket. Oh, yeah, man. Good. good. Nice quarter zip for you. Thank you. This yes, will keep sir. me warm. You know, skinny brothers, we get uh, we get a little cold in the winter, so definitely be happy to wear this. Thank you. That's good. I'm glad you're welcome. Thank you. So, Tony, man, I want to jump right in. I've been wanting to get you on the show for, what, a few months now, it's actually. Been a minute. Yeah. yeah, so 
What is Muscle and Bone, man? Tell the Create Your Life Series family what Muscle and Bone is. All right, so Muscle and Bone is a uh, it's a it's a brand that is dedicated to uh, fixing postural imbalances, to helping people change their lives uh, from the way they eat to the way they live on their weekends, if they are actual athletes, to the way they perform on the field, uh, if they are desk jockeys and have a, a sedentary job at a financial company or a law firm or anything like that where they sit at a desk for hours at a time and their uh, their posterior chain, the backs of their bodies from their ankles all the way up to their shoulders, those muscles start to get long and relaxed and they lose their, 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 their tension, their ability to flex. And you start to have pain in your shoulders or in your knees or in your hips. And that creates later on uh, some, some bigger, bigger issues. Okay, so what are... I want to, how did you get in, interested in that particular uh, aspect of, I guess, fitness or posture, man? How did posture come up on your radar? All right. So that, that's a really interesting story. And I'll try to keep it as, as, as brief and concise as I can. So I've been an athlete my whole life. I studied uh, Shotokan when I was a kid. I grew up in a Shotokan dojo. And Shotokan um, is? Shotokan is a, is a Japanese form of martial arts, a striking form of martial arts. Uh, and my sensei was Sensei Shorty Mills. Uh, is a legend, a living legend fantastic uh, instructor as well. One of the best teachers I've ever had. And I've had some really good teachers in general from, uh, from my college days, my high school days, even elementary school days. But I've had some really good teachers who taught me a lot. And uh, his methodology and philosophies, carry uh, I carried them with me to this day. Uh, so I started off uh, after studying finance in Morehouse. Uh, first job out of college was at a bank called Northern Trust. Okay. And uh, I, I knew quickly that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I couldn't stand the wait. I hated that wait. You got to wait your turn. Wait your turn before somebody gives you some shine, before they give you a chance. To okay. So you're talking about a promotion exactly. or anything like that? Okay. Any kind of responsibility that gives you a chance to shine. Mm -hmm. So I eventually left there and uh, I thought I wanted to become a real estate guy. So I bought my first house. I was like 24 years old. I bought this big, big Greystone building in Chicago, man. I'm from Chicago, born and raised. Right, right. And uh, I almost lost everything I owned. It was a huge house, 4,400 square feet in the front house. It was a big wow. old Greystone building. And it had a coach house in the backyard that was 2,200 square feet. So this thing pretty much should have been gutted, but I did kind of a piecemeal band-aids patch-up deal. <laughs> and uh, I almost lost everything. I almost had to declare bankruptcy, all that. So in the interim, after uh, going through that experience, I decided that uh, I wanted to do what my original passion was, was finance. And when I came out of college, I went to Northern Trust only because there was all but a hiring freeze on Wall Street at the time. Okay. Whatever the case, they weren't hiring me. Where'd you go to college at? I went to a school called Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Uh, okay. Just wanted to check because oftentimes we have guests on and our different guests, they, you know, have different levels of education. So, you know, Absolutely. definitely all, usually entrepreneurs, you know, trailblazers and things like that. But hey, there's no set form or right way of education in order to be great. So Amen. always have to ask that question. So true. Uh, so you figure out that you, you know, you're into to posture. Did you have something going on with your posture that made you want to? Good question. So as I transitioned into my trading career, right. eventually- from Northern Trust, I actually started trading at a company called Schoenfeld Securities here in the city. It's no longer around as, as Schoenfeld, but I moved to New York in 1996 and I traded for the most part till about 2007. I started trading in Chicago in 1993. Okay. Moved to New York in 1996 and traded the entire time until about 2007, like I said. 
And the whole time I was, I was working out, but I was having these pains in my shoulders. Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out why. So I had people look at me in the gym, trainers, they say, yeah, okay, I'll train you. You know, we'll, we'll give a physical therapy-like session. Mm-hmm. And I was getting bulkier and I was putting on you know, some good muscle. It looked good, but it wasn't functional. And I was still having these pains in my shoulders. And then I noticed that I was getting pains in my knees. And I was like, what's going on? These are non-contact injuries. These are just injuries that are coming about, pains that are coming about from sitting down for extended periods of time. Wow. So then, after 2007, I'm going to answer your question, Kevin. I'm sorry. I'm taking this long, circuitous route. No, man. After 2007, uh, I was having these, uh, I was struggling with, with being in the, in the markets the way I was as a trader. I was taking on so much risk, and it was affecting my sleep mm. for years. It was affecting the way I ate. And I was having these nosebleeds. I was having blood in my stools. And I'd have these panic attacks that would just come from nowhere. I'd just start shaking out of nowhere. And then seconds later, minutes later, it was gone like it never even happened. Wow. So I was talking to my parents for years about it. I had those problems for years. And uh, eventually my mom said something like, you know, we didn't raise you to, to, to tell you what to do. But one of the things, you know, your, your dad and I think you ought to consider doing uh, is something very different from trading. And I go like, what, real estate? <laughs> she goes, no, modeling or acting. Mm. Now, at the time, Kevin, I was almost 40 years old. So I was like, you guys just gave me some of the most irresponsible recommendation, advice, whatever I could ever receive. I'm almost 40 years old. You're telling me to go into acting or modeling? They're like, yeah, just try it. Mm-hmm. So I asked my then wife what right. she thought about it. And she goes, oh, hell yeah. So I go, you guys are all crazy, but I'll try it. And then I said, okay. Called my friends who had been in acting. And they gave me some suggestions on schools. And I went with this one particular school. I went to order the class and I fell in love with it. Okay. Acting was not at all like what I thought it was. I thought acting mm. was, you know, if you want to be, ha- if you want to look happy, you smile. If you want to look sad, you frown. And I thought I was kind of hamming it up and being overly dramatic. So, And what did you find? What did I you find out that acting that, was? I found out that Acting is a whole lot of preparation for living in somebody else's shoes, living your own backstory that might be similar to that character's situation. Ah. So what that meant was I had to tap into my emotional past and things that were either funny, but for the most part, they were sad and they were painful. And I was just going through a divorce shortly thereafter. Okay. And the beauty of that divorce was that after I had gone through, you know, acknowledging the failure of, of marriage, because my parents have been together 55, 56 years now, married. Okay. So that was my gauge. So after I had, you know, taken all this time to, to, to analyze why I failed, I was able to tap into that emotional reserve and put it into my acting. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, so you felt like uh, acting was the outlet for you. Exactly. Uh, to, to let out that emotion and that frustration that you may have had. Cathartic. Uh, by going mm-hmm. through. Okay. So how did you improve your health and, and your fitness? Well, obviously you were in shape during this time of, you know, this transition. So I, I was in shape only because I had started boxing um, in about 2001. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had some some teachers around the city couple guys, you know, they, they taught me just enough. They were fighters themselves, but they weren't real coaches. And they had taught me enough to, you know, be able to throw a jab and be able to throw a cross, a hook, uppercut, all in technique. Um, but they didn't teach me how to fight. 
So learning how to fight was a whole different skill. And then learning how to fight is when I got into shape. But being in shape was cardiorespiratory shape. What wound up happening was my acting needed a job, needed to be supported by a career that gave me the flexibility to go to audition. Right. And so the finance career wasn't something that you felt could do it. What, what were your hours like when you were working uh, in finance? On, a, on an average, I'd get to work about 7, 7.30. In the markets, yeah. I'd plan my day, plan my, my uh, trading strategy. Uh, markets open at 9.30. I would trade aggressively from 9.30 to about 11, in and out of some things from 11 to about 2.30, 3 o'clock. And then the last hour, uh, hour and a half until 4 o'clock, very, very aggressive trading. And it's, it's a compact day. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, 7.30 to 5.00. Right. But you're going through so much, so many different emotions uh-huh. and so much intensity in a shortened amount of time right. that uh, it, it's, it's hard to even explain. It's mm-hmm. hard to even fathom it that I did that so long, you know, so long How ago. How many years did you do it? I, I traded for the better part of 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so that that toll that it took on your body is what helped you to seek that other uh, opportunity in, in exactly. coaching. Exactly. Okay. So tell us more about how you how you fixed or how you recorrected your posture. What was going on with your posture? Because I'm still curious. You know, a lot of times you see people who are talking about you need to get in shape. You know, you should be fit and, you know, you should eat this and things like that. But they never really talk about the effects of sitting for long term, how it affects right. your body. So I'm so still very curious in how it is that you uh, that you found that to be one of your focuses. No, it's funny you say that. I just read an article recently where they're saying that sitting is the new smoking. It's so unhealthy to sit for extended periods of time. They're calling it the new smoking. But uh, again, Kevin, I I can't take any credit for, you know, having the foresight to say, hmm, I need to get my body together. It didn't happen like that. It was total happenstance. So when I became a trainer, I had to get a certification. I worked for a gym in the city. They required that you get a certification. I got that certification. I'm a student by nature. I love to learn new stuff. That's where I grow. I love travel too, but that's all part of being a student. But after I took that first certification, I was on fire. I wanted to learn more. Um, This first one gave you a base level of the science behind training, Uh, the science behind your metabolism, the science behind cellular level change in the muscles, how you stack different workouts how you order different workouts, the different intensities for different experiences of people who work out as you train them. So the next thing for me was to ask my superiors what they thought the next best thing for me to do was. And the regional manager happened to be in the office that day. And he said, Tony, I think you ought to do what's called a corrective exercise Mm -hmm. certification. Okay. So I just listened to him and just signed up for it right there. Got the book, was fascinated. Because in that book, I saw exactly where my problems were and why I had them and how I had to start getting rid of them. So that's how I stumbled into the postural corrective exercise movements. Right. Because oftentimes with entrepreneurship, you know, people, they're they're trying to fix uh, issues that they may be having personally or some experience and they want to capitalize it on it and then share that experience and that solution with everybody else. Right. So no, I definitely appreciate you, uh, you sharing that with us. Tony, please tell us about transferring or transitioning careers from big Wall Street uh, trader into actor or wow. trainer. <laughs> Man, uh, you, you talk about me breaking out to a sweat now, going back to that time. That was a really difficult decision because 
you know, at, at the time, and even today, I know this for a fact, there weren't too many black traders on the street. And for me, that was, that was almost a badge of honor for me to say that I was a, a trader on Wall Street. And I got caught up in the, um, in the title. I really did get caught up in the title. And it wasn't until years after that I was away from it that I was able to come to terms with this fact. So much of my identity had become tied to that title that it was embarrassing. It was more embarrassing for me to declare myself an actor slash trainer initially than it was for me to say, I'm unemployed. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. It was because of your identity. Because of my identity. I was struggling with what people were going to say about my decision. Man, he was making all that loot back in the day. What is, what is he doing now? Why did he make that decision? What kind of people does he have in his life who would allow him to go down that path? And people who know me well understand that for me, I really am, I'm not just this random thrill seeker guy. I am the kind of guy who's trying to grow and trying to become better. Bless you. I'm trying to become more um, um, spiritual. And when I say spiritual, I'm not talking about any type of religion. I'm talking about tapping into this thing called humanity that connects us all together. Right. I'm trying to really explore who I am and where I fit in the universe. And one of the things that I've discovered is my calling, one of my callings, is to coach people. And I coach people. I was a coach as a trader. I was training guys who were taking, you know, my methods mm -hmm. and they were making money with them. Um, as a coach in acting, I will try to bring out certain nuances, certain colors, certain textures in certain scenes from actors who might require some external help. Mm -hmm. As a trainer, obviously I'm a coach. I'm a boxing coach as well. Right. I teach people how to throw technique. I teach people the fundamentals of boxing. I teach people the techniques of lifting because you can look at a lift and all you'll see is somebody taking a weight and pushing it off their body. Well, in reality, there's a whole lot more going on inside that body with the shoulder, right. shoulder position, the hips position, certain muscles that you're activating, other muscles you want to deactivate right. in, in that pushing. So there's a whole lot of that involved. How did you move? How did you move through that embarrassment? What is that process like of making that, that transition? Uh, of overcoming it and who helped you? First thing you got to do is just to look at it squarely for what it is, man. You, you can't run from it. The more you run from it, the more it's going to be there. It's like a shadow. I'm talking about the transition. I'm, I'm looking at about, the transition. I'm talking about the embarrassment factor. Right. You have to deal with that. You have to accept that this was my life at that time. Mm. Now I am making a decidedly different move in a decidedly different direction. And because that's gonna, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Kevin. Because it's more in tune with your purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was worth the money for you to create your life and go in the direction that you felt was best for you. That's exactly what kept me afloat because I was going toward my purpose. That's it. I'm so glad you said that. I was going toward my direction of coaching people mm -hmm. and coaching people to become better at whatever they're doing. That's right. exactly my point. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's what helped me to settle into my gigs and to get past that embarrassment. And I'm so glad that I, I, I managed to do that because in that came this new level of, oh, I've always been a pretty confident dude, but a new level of, of real experience, kind of um, battle-tested scar tissue developed. Right. 
So you move from embarrassment to confidence. And empowerment, absolutely. And empowerment. Mm-hmm. And so what would you say was the was the recipe for that? Was it was it the action of getting up? Like what was it like every day you getting up, you stop trading, boom, and now you're getting up every day. You gotta look at you gotta look at Tony in the mirror, man. What what describe those feelings to me. Okay, so one of the things that I I've always kind of um I followed a, a, a thought, a, um, an axiom. I always felt like positive thinking was not the way to go for me. I always thought that it was more important to be a critical thinker. And that meant to look at whatever the situation was and come up with the best solution at the moment. For example, if I'm in a boat and the boat is sinking, I can't think myself positively into safety. I have to grab an oar right. and somebody has to grab a bucket and throw the water out of the boat, and I got to start rowing back to shore. Huh. So that's the critical thought instead of just thinking positively. Crit- critical thought and the action. Absolutely. It's the activity that keeps you going. Because if you sit back and you think too much, that whole paralysis by analysis, yeah, absolutely. that'll kick in. And the more time you have to think, the more time you have to wallow, and the more time you have of inaction, inactivity, nothing's being done. Wow. Okay. I also believe that through activity, through action, right, wrong, or indifferent sometimes, if you have a plan in place and it makes sense, you'll go in a direction, you'll pick an action, and that action will lead you to a spot where there's a fork in the road and you have to make a different decision. And many times, through action, you find your way naturally. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. You're going through this transition. You're feeling embarrassed a little bit. You're on your way to confidence. Who are those people? Who is your peer group at that time in your corner making sure that you stay afloat? Because I know, it, it, you know, self, uh, self-motivation self is one thing, man, but sometimes we need that little push in our back from our friends as well. So right. who, what does your peer group look like? And, you know, who are some of the people in your corner at that time? So, And what I- were they doing? So I have a, one of my best friends here in the city is a surgeon. He's a pretty well-known guy. Um, and he was extra supportive. I know he probably thought I was crazy <laughs> deep down inside. Probably still does. <laughs> we had dinner last night and we, we always have these conversations like, you know, the ones we're having now. But he's a guy who is of the opinion that uh, you do what you want to do with passion. And that's your track. The money comes as the money comes and the money's going to be a byproduct of your effort. Uh, so I had him in my corner. He's a surgeon. Had a, uh, I had to kind of break away from my financial guys because <laughs> they were still looking at me like I had three heads. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> they couldn't right. quite grasp the concept. Um, but I do have a, a couple guys who, who still are in my corner who are traders. One in particular, uh, I let him manage a little bit of my money too. He's a good guy. Um, I started surrounding myself with a lot of trainers and a lot of acting coaches. One of the greatest coaches in the world of acting is a woman named Susan Batson. And okay. to her, I owe much gratitude. Uh, Susan taught me exactly what I told you about, how to tap into my emotional resources, into my past, things that uh, normally people want to shun and not remember because it shakes them up too much. Well, as an actor, your job is to dig down deep into those things, remember them, and remember what you were doing, what you were wearing, what you were thinking, what you were feeling. What was in that room when you got the news? That's how you tap in. It's ugly. It's not attractive by any stretch, but it's effective, and it's the stuff that wins Emmys and Grammys or Emmys and Oscars. Because it's authentic. Exactly. Uh, So between the trainers, 
and the uh, the actors. Those are the ones that really kept me afloat and 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 focused in, in the acting. But then I had my friends back in Chicago who were always uh, supportive, no matter what. They were always like, you know, we're, we're, your, we're your biggest fans. We're rooting for you all the way. Uh, whatever you have to do, we know that you stick your head in and you just do it to death. You do it 100%. And that's also one of the things that I am. I am captain, you know, overboard when it comes to getting involved in something. I don't know how to go halfway. Hey, you all in, man. And Absolutely. that's, you know, that's... What we're about here, man, is your peer group still uh, trainers and, and acting coaches? Are you still even acting? What are some of the things? That- oh, yeah, I'm always acting. That's, that's always there. My acting is, uh, I, I, don't, I gave up my dreams of being the next Denzel. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I, I love to do is to just create my characters. I get these roles sometimes. Typically, I have my roles handed to me from mm-hmm. people I've done uh, projects both, uh, before with. And um, I have two movies that I'm waiting to come out that I did last year. It's, you know, kind of drives you nuts you wait for these things to actually come out what were those two movies or what uh, projects have you been a part of all right one is in a working title uh they have the working title as friends but because they have done a couple movies called friends or rather it's called neighbors i'm sorry because you've already had a couple movies titled neighbors and there's more uh one more recent than the other one they can't use that title. So it's a function of them trying to figure out what they're going to call it. This by the Benjamini brothers, two guys I've done three films with already now. Um, are these independent films or are these going to oh, be yeah, these major? Are, these are always what? independent films. Yeah, I okay. I would love to do major blockbuster films. But, you know, my focus is as an actor, my focus is still to make sure that I have close ties to my clients. And if you spend too much time away from your clients, your business goes away. Gotcha. And that is my lifeline. Right. And that is my calling back to my purpose. Of I coaching. cannot get too far away from my clients. Right. Well, man, how do you, what's the key to balancing those two things, man? The, the coaching and the, and the acting. What is the key? Um, it always comes down to priorities. So I structure my day based on what needs to be done most urgently and most vitally. And this is something I got away from. The reason I had some success on Wall Street back in the day was because I adhered to this every single day. I would write down my goals uh, for the week and I would just make sure that I accomplished every single one of them before that week had been completed. Um, You you break those goals down into tactics and milestones and all that. Um, So in, in doing that, I was able to get some consistency in my results because I had consistent action. Consistent activity breeds consistent results. Um, oh, say that again, man. Consistent activity breeds consistent results. So Consistent results. I'm writing that down right now. Go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> so I try to make sure that my clients are always prioritized, mm-hmm. always at the top of the list. Right. And then in the event that they need me, and I'm not reachable. I have somebody that they can reach out to who will train them. Absolutely. Team. Absolutely. So, yes. yeah, you got the contingency plan and work and play. For those out there who might be, who are going through a transition, right? How you went from finance into acting and training. What are some of the keys that you would say that they should do or have in place before uh, making that transition or as they are? So I think it's really important that, that people have some type of nest egg uh, that they can fall back on. It can be savings. It can be some kind of structured loan that they took out from, you know, a friend or something, you know, hopefully at a low, very low interest rate, if an interest rate exists for it at all. Um, I think it's more important to deal with the mental side of it. The mental component is critical. The, the reason 
I was able to, um, to, to transition. And the reason I even took the shot to transition from trading into uh, acting and into training was that I had experience in that type of transition before and I had success in that transition. And what kind of transition was that? What's the transition that you went through that helped you prepare? That was that transition from being a real estate guy who bought his house in, in, at 24 and darn near lost his shirt to becoming a trader. Without wow. and not being a salary trader to being a proprietary trader, which means if I wanted to eat, I had to kill. I had to buy, say, IBM at 100 and hopefully sell it later on that day at 101, 102, 100 and a half. I had to make more profit than I had in losses. And then we got paid at the end of the month. So if we had a, a positive, a net positive month, we got paid and we split the profits with the owner of the business. Wow. If we lost money, we didn't make any money that month. So I had stretches of months and months and months, quarters, where I did not make money. And that, man, that is entrepreneurship, brother. Sometimes, Absolutely. you know, you go through those, through those droughts and then you hit that, you find out what your, your key, uh, your key things are that, that make you, <laughs> yes. uh, make you successful, man. And you yes, stick sir. to them. Would you just say consistent act activity breeds consistent results? Yes, and if sir. you can consistently do the things that are making you successful, then, you know, you're going to eat during those months versus right. others. And if you know <laughs> you consistently lay on the couch all day, you're going consistently to not, consistently not make any money. Right. So, yeah, it goes both ways. Mm. Um, I think it's really important to have experiences. And for you, for people, I know for me especially, it was very important for me to have to, the ability to draw off of those past experiences, not just the successes, but the failures. Because in those failures, I was always trying to find what happened that made that, that attempt unsuccessful. I always tried to figure out what did I do wrong or what did I miss or what could I have done differently to create a successful outcome. Okay, so when you're talking about the, the experiences, so the experiences are one thing. I think the mind state around them is another. You know, because if you, if you take the L and you, you haven't made any money this quarter, then yeah, that's an experience. But how did you keep your positive attitude or that mode of thinking to stay within action and to keep going. I feel like that's what our listeners need to know. So I was able to figure out early on that when I wasn't making money as a trader in the very beginning stages, I was able to see what mistakes I was making. Trading okay. emotionally, for example, when stocks would move against me too much, whatever that too much was, mm -hmm. I would just blow out of them. And, and inevitably, I'd sell them at the bottom. Or if I were short them, I would buy them back at the top and then they would correct and then go in the same direction that I thought they wound up going on in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I turned winning trades into losing trades. So I had to figure out, okay, what, I, what do I have to do differently? That meant I had to adjust my timing and I had to adjust the size of the trade. Instead of you know going in with a whole lot of shares, I had to go in with smaller shares because I don't know if my timing might be a little off and those things need room to breathe. So in that room to breathe, what happens? Do they go, if I buy it, does it go down? How far does it go down? If it goes down two points, then I don't, I don't want to have it anymore. And I've lost two points on very few shares as opposed to losing two points on a whole lot of shares. Right. So that's one thing I learned. Then you learn the timing of it. So if I want to, if a stock looks good and I want to start buying it, fine. I try to figure out little points in the market or points in that stock during the trading day where my entry points might be. If I see it looks good, I have to be very, very calm and not just say, okay, I want to buy this thing. If the thing's going straight up, I can't just jump in and buy it. I have to wait for this thing to pull back a little bit. Again, if it comes in, I buy it, small shares. If it acts in the way I want it to act, I start getting bigger in it. Okay, so not 
not trading or acting out of emotion. This is a change in mindset. How long did it take you in order to trend, to make this transition? It took about a solid year, year and a half to figure the whole thing out because it's you don't learn it after doing it once. Right. You might know it. Mm. You might know that you did the wrong thing, but you don't get it until you get sick of doing the same mistakes over and over. And over. you're like, finally, like, well, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of this. I'm going to try it the right way. And then finally, you're like, you're in it and you're shaking. You're like, oh, and then you say, okay, fine. And you see it working. You're like, here it is. Okay. Then your motivation to do it again and again. And you start getting more confident and you start adding size, adding share size to the positions. Absolutely. And next thing you know, you can't stop the money from coming in. Right. And again, it goes back to the money being a byproduct of doing the right thing. Consistent actions breed consistent results. Right. Because, you know, the funny thing is, I remember I, I was in my freshman year of college, I believe, and I was home and I vi- went to visit my my high, high school principal, Mr. Tony Gross. And he said, Kevin Brown, what you up to? I said, man, Mr. Gross, I'm uh, working on, the, you know, this clothing company and man, I'm a, I'm I'm going to make it big. You know, and I tell him some exponential amount of money that I'm going to make. And he says, well, let me tell you this. There's no job called making money. Hmm. He said, you make money by being good at something. And I never, ever, never, ever forgot that. And I thought that that was probably been one of the most uh, impactful uh, quotes that that I ever got. But I'm listening to you right now and I'm hearing a tone of your voice and how you're getting hyped up. And so to me, what I'm getting from you is right now we're talking about the subject of money because you were a trader. Right. But these same principles are not acting with the motion and being consistent and creating, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, consistent action, you know, is breeding those results. This happens in any area of life. Exactly. So I got to ask you, man, where's your uh, where's your passion come from? You know what, man? I, I I come from a really loud and passionate family, and uh, I just I like to laugh. I like to spend time with my people. I like hanging out with uh, with kind of like minded people who want to live. Wanted, you know, upwardly mobile minded. They they want to do better for themselves, but money is not the end game. Money, just for money's sake, isn't the end game. Money is a tool, in my opinion. It's a very, very important tool. And the more you have of that tool, the more you can do. So that said, I need people around me who are pushing me to become a better, stronger, whatever, fill in the blank. If it's a better brother, if it's a better son, if it's a better trader. And I still do some money management, by the way. I still manage a small portfolio. Okay. Uh, if it's a better money manager, if it's a better uh, trainer, if it's a better actor, if it's a better acting coach. I want people around me who are pushing me to do that and not just saying it, who are setting the examples themselves. Right. You got to walk that walk, man. Yeah. That's that's huge. And it's funny because, you know, when we speak about walking that walk. I met you through uh, through Kevin Gray, who, you know, KG. yeah, KG, man, <laughs> Gecko Gordon. <laughs> and, you know, we talk about people walking that walk and, and talking that talk. And it, it's a reflection of your peer group, man, because, absolutely, you know, I met Kev through Chris, who was also on the show. And then Kev had uh, Tanya uh, Simmons Reed on the on the show, mm-hmm. who is the president of Vanessa Blake Cosmetics. So we mm-hmm. there's this whole group of people who are, like you said, walking that walk and, and talking that talk. And it makes just a huge difference. Kevin Gray is one of those guys who uh, who I train. And it's interesting because we talk during our sessions. Like, mm. I, I will put that, put the burn on him. <laughs> I will make him burn. But Dude, while he is burning. <laughs> he texted me today and said, when Tony's on the show, ask him why he maims his clients. <laughs> <laughs> he always always complained to man about your uh, about your your work. I was like, man, if Tony said I can't eat this, I can't do that. <laughs> I 
Well, <laughs> the thing about Kevin Gray, man, is this guy not only walks it, he runs the run. He runs the run. He runs the talk. He yeah. walks the talk. He runs it. He eats it. He sleeps it. He lives it every single day. He's trying to put people like me and you together. That was intended. He did that on purpose. Right? Yeah. That you don't meet many people like that. You don't meet many people who think outside of themselves, who see bigger picture things. So shout out to Kev, man. Nice work, Kev, on the training, and man, you're a beautiful brother on the inside. Keep doing big things, man. Appreciate Absolutely. You. And most recently, man, you know, I got to ask you about this. How was your experience in South Africa? Oh, man, that was absolutely life-altering, man. I, I still get goosebumps when I think about going into Soweto. We had this uh, tour guide. His name was Vusi, V-U-S-I. He had a, his, his American name was Trevor. <laughs> Vusi was from uh, Zimbabwe. Okay. And it was fascinating to hear this guy's functional knowledge of everything that happened in Soweto. He was taking us to all these different spots. And this was kind of an informal, okay, I'm going to take you to Soweto. It wasn't an organized tour game, tour mm -hmm. group. It was one guy in the hotel who we paid money to, to take us to Soweto. So we were thinking, you know, he's going to pretty much be the equivalent of a driver. And we're going to have to figure things out as we went. No, this guy, as soon as we hit the turnoff of whatever that highway is called, you have this humongous uh, military base. Right. And the history of that military base, fascinating. The reason it's there to begin with, fascinating. You have all these, as you know, you have all the sand dune looking structures in the and you wonder what they are. Then you start realizing they're all over <laughs> Johannesburg. And you start realizing how much gold those sand dunes produced. Yes, how much wealth that country has and had. I won't get into the specifics of had, but right, uh, right. that tour guide back to Vusi, uh, the level of knowledge and, and, and the specifics. And this man was from Zimbabwe. And he knew that much about something. He was so passionate, man. He had me engaged the very second we got into that car. He was giving us historical context, not just history, but historical context. And I'm an historian by nature, man. I love him, a student. Love learning about history, especially things that happened in, the, in my lifetime, like a, a Soweto. Whew. Blown away. Blown away, bro. Mm. Okay. So you going back? <laughs> oh, it's, just, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. A matter of when. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the musical influence on you. Man, that music was beautiful. I, I, I was taken aback. I had no idea. They were playing a lot of American hip-hop at the club, and they were pumping in. It was cool. It was like being in New York. But then they started playing this different sound, and it had this house music kind of flow. One song, two songs, three songs. And you just, it takes you to a different place, man. This music is amazing. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I, I don't look at music the same anymore after mm -hmm. that experience. It's hard to. I don't look at it's life the same to. anymore. Yeah. You know, and you, you only stayed in Joburg? Did you have a chance to go to Cape or to, to Durban? No, we were only in Joburg, only in Josie. Yep. Man, it, I mean, there's there's so many other beautiful places. You know, being right there, you're not far from uh, from Victoria Falls, uh, Drakensburg. You know, you go shark dive. I mean, dude, but the people there, like you said, Boosie, you know, my... Uh, my tour guy's name was Tipo, mm -hmm. and he was from there. He was actually from Soweto, a native, okay. and we were staying in the Mabanin mm -hmm. uh, district down there. And, uh, you know, I want to give a shout out to my guy, Beck. Beck is like 23 years old. If anybody, if you're ever going to South Africa and you're looking for a backpacker, stay at Curiosity Backpackers, man. Beautiful people. 
This dude is 20, about 22, 23 years old. He runs the backpackers. It's his. He owns it. And he just er opened up another one in Durban on the beach, man. Wow. I'm talking, I'm looking to have him on the show. Beautiful. To, you know, him and Tipo to phone in, man, and really talk about their experience of building that business up there. But when I'm there, you know, just having that conversation with them and talking about their business, talking about what the plight of being an entrepreneur is in in South Africa, mm-hmm. being a, a a native, you know, a black entrepreneur there, you know, that experience of going and getting the grants and what initiatives that they have there, man. I'm talking about, I'm having this conversation and I'm, I'm still only shooting a Create Your Life series YouTube videos, mm-hmm. not knowing that, we, you know, the radio show's coming a year or two later, but just having that and just those people, man, but that, that house music is yeah. everything, <laughs> everything. I don't even look at, I just can't look at music the same anymore. Yeah. Where where else have you been? Or, around the world? Or, yeah, around the world, man. Man, I, I'm, that's one of my absolute passions i've been to uh, my favorite place is probably i'll say sydney australia um been to bali that's probably a close second mm, uh, why why these places uh sydney was just beautiful man it was it's on the water um did you go to koji beach i, I don't think so kev you, you're the man dude. I, I i can't i can't i can't keep up with you in these in this this travel uh these specifics these locations man come <laughs> well, on you've been to bali man i haven't been i'm just asking you said the beaches and you said it's on the water so i just wanted to know which ones you made it to man i did a uh, a boat tour and, okay you know that was that was it was pretty cool you know I, has, I saw a guy who fed a seagull from his hand the seagull's flying next to the boat he pulled mm. out a cookie and stuck it in the air in his hand and the seagull dipped down and was flying next to the boat nibbling on this cookie as this guy held it up. Wow. Yeah, I'd never seen that before. Um, did Western Europe. That was cool. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite place in, in Europe is I'm going to have to go with either either Paris or, uh, or or Rome. No, no, Venice. Paris or Venice in, in Western Europe. Mm. Um, Why? I like history. And if you see all of these uh, these 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 statues and these monuments and the fountains and the um, the, the stairs, the, the, the Spanish stairs, um, just so much beauty, so much architectural beauty, man, just just surrounding you. And then you have that juxtaposed against the uh, the, the 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 landscaping and the of the buildings, the architecture, just a lot of beauty kind of crammed up against each other, all in, almost in conflict, but it works. Mm. It works. Almost um, in conflict, but it works. And I yeah. feel like that's that's kind of what conditioning is a bit. Sometimes you have the conflict or conditioning or training, right? Sometimes you have the mm-hmm. conflict of the, the customer or, or who you're training. They're saying, man, I really want to do this, but they're a little reluctant. Mm-hmm. And after they get in there with you, then it works. Mm-hmm. So with Muscle and Bone NYC, man, well, how did you come up with the name? I really have to ask. I like it. All right, my man. And I like uh, the logo too, so. So, uh, unbeknownst to many here, my nickname from college is Bone. And uh, so we were working out, trying to develop some muscle, muscle tone. And I am tone. So muscle and tone wasn't going anywhere. Okay. So I'm Bone, muscle and bone. That was it. Okay. How'd you get the nickname Bone? Uh, I was really thin in high school. So they started calling me like T-Bone and that was shortened to, to Bone. Okay. I was about 135 pounds soaking wet in high school, man. Hey, man, we, we share similar fa- <laughs> similar reality in that regard. I probably went to college about 135 pounds. Mm-hmm. But, uh, okay, so, man, what's up? What's next for uh, for, for Muscle and Bone? What's, what's next for Tony 
Laurent, the actor, CEO of Muscle & Bone. Well, right now, we're looking to expand. We're looking to hire some trainers so I can handle some overflow. Okay. Uh, and I can start to deal with more visionary stuff, the longer term. Absolutely, the GD. Stuff. Exactly. And um, at some point soon, right now, I train out of a place called Velocity on uh, 58th and Lex. At some point soon, I'd like to have my own space. Okay. So we're uh, always looking for, you know, little studios that we can possibly open. Um, the actor guy has uh, a couple commercial auditions coming up soon. Keep your fingers crossed. Um, the finance guy is, uh, I'm always looking at, I'm never too far away from the markets, man. And I, I'm I, right now things to me, in my opinion, they, they just feel a little heavy. Um, real estate markets feel kind of frothy and kind of heavy. I, I'm not feeling, you know, like I want to be involved heavily on the long side in the markets. So I'm trying to, you know, take some little cash out of here and there and be positioned for the possibility whenever it hits, there's going to be some kind of sell-off. I don't know if it's going to be this year, next year, year after that, but something's coming soon. Okay. So how can the trainers who are actively wanting to uh, to become a part of Muscle & Bone, how do they get in contact with you? You can reach me uh, on my website, www muscle and a and d bone nyc uh dot com my number's on there but in case you don't have access to the internet my number is 917 our number is 917-238-3650 and the uh, email address you want to use is info at muscle and bone nyc dot com okay and if somebody's looking to become a client of yours do they use the same contact information absolutely or? okay Awesome. Well, Tony, man, I want to say thank you for coming, brother, Thanks and being you, on the man. show, Creative Life man. Series. And uh, we'll be back, you guys, with a uh, with a quick recap. We just had the opportunity to have Mr. Tony Laurent, CEO of Muscle and Bone uh, NYC, here on the Creative Life Series. So, what I want to do is recap on some of the amazing points that he gave. He dropped a lot of jewels, and I thought that that was just amazing the way that he, he pulled it together and, and dropped some things for us. So number one, one of the best things that he said was is that uh, critical thought and uh, action are stronger than positive thinking because you can't think yourself positively off of a sinking boat. So that was huge. Uh, another gym that we took away from him was to surround yourself with people who are doing what you do and who believe in you. When he talked about making that transition from finance into acting and then later on into being a personal trainer, he said that he had to get away from his finance buddies because they were looking at him like he had three heads. Like, why would you give away this amazing title? Uh, why would you give away, you know, this amount of money that you're making every year? So I thought that that was big. Another one, Jewel, that he dropped was is do not become attached to your title because your title is not your identity. And so he talked very candidly about that embarrassment and going through the process of overcoming that and how his peers, you know, again, those people who you should surround yourself with, how they supported him in his transition. Another jewel that he dropped was actually a quote. And he said that uh, consistent action breeds consistent results. And the last one that I'm going to leave with you is, is that not to... He, in his uh, terms, he said not to trade, but we're also going to say for it's important for us not to trade or for us to act out of emotion, but to, again, go back to that critical thinking and just think a little bit before we react or before we act.
So, ladies and gentlemen, that's the wrap of this Create Your Life series episode. But I want to tell you that if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you have anything that you want to uh, say to any of our past guests, just add us at CYL series on uh, Instagram.com. If you're someone who feels like you want to be on the Create Your Life series, that you, you know, you should be one of our featured guests. If you know someone, then email us at CYLS at LegacyThinkingLabs.com. We'd be happy to talk to you. And again, beautiful people, happy Sunday. And we are looking forward, forward to being with you next week. This episode of the Create Your Life series is brought to you by Manor Soul Food and Salad Bar Restaurant in Harlem, New York. Manor's is open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Manor's has been serving soul food in Harlem for 31 years. They have now added healthier options to their 8th Avenue locations menu, such as steamed dumplings and fresh salad bar. And all of the food is cooked with fresh herbs like garlic, rosemary, thyme, basil and ginger you can find out which location is close to you by visiting their website soulfood.com